0: my fellow Americans. This is the last coffeehouse that we are talking about the worst nonfiction book that I have read so far on this podcast. It's called How Democracies Die, and I will get into why it's the worst book that we have read. But first, if you guys like what I do, please subscribe and share. And if you're so inclined, if you're interested in literature, I published my first book. It is on Amazon. It's called John Shade Reads Aspiring Authors. It would be much appreciated help support the show. Okay, thank you. So, How Democracies die by Steven Levitsky and Daniel Ziblatt, who was published in 2018, and could not have been published any earlier. <laughs> So, we'll go through the contents, I'll, like I do, add some editorializing in the midst of the contents, but I'll try to be fair about what it's trying to do and the information that it provides. Okay, so. So, it's trying to understand, as you might have imagined from the title, how democracies die. So some of the first things it talks about, and I think it's talking about this in relation to Trump specifically here, because it's going to go forward and say that this is what other democracies that have collapsed under authoritarians, this is what they did, so I think they're talking about Trump here where it says, treat rivals as enemies, attacks the free press, and threatens to reject election results. So it starts on that frame. It says that Trump has clear authoritarian tendencies. Goes into Chile with Salvador Allende. Uh, Venezuela with Chavez. Uh, talks about how Chavez wrote a new constitution. He was briefly toppled by the military. In 2003, he packed the Supreme Court so he could get the kind of decisions that he wanted. And of course, Venezuela. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a a place to be looked at for things not to do when it comes to governance. And then it it eases right back into talking about Trump. Uh, We have elected a president with a dubious attachment to democratic norms, who's an extremist demagogue who delegitimizes rivals and doesn't exhibit toleration or restraint. Okay, they give a litmus test for authoritarians. Says that they are populists, they reject election results again, uh, they delegitimize rivals, like calling them criminals. They baselessly suggest that- That their rivals are foreign agents. Uh, they tolerate or encourage violence. They encourage mob attacks. Just as we go through this litmus test and all the things that I, I listed here for authoritarians, the number one thing that struck me is how much of the democratic establishment does exactly all of these things constantly now. And the presidential candidates do not only that, but certain previous presidential candidates doing the same thing. So I will go into some detail on that as we we go along. Keep in mind, this book specifically, it will pay occasional lip service to some things that Democrats have done, but it is primarily just trying to be a polemic against President Trump. Now, if you've listened to the show, obviously, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I don't think he's as bad as everybody says he is. To jump right off and call him an extremist demagogue. I mean, this is such outlandish nonsense that they're just reading in whatever they want to because he's not good with words. i always do this whenever i talk to somebody in person and they go on a diatribe about how terrible trump is i say okay well so what policies has he enacted or supported what executive orders etc has he what has he done that is exhibiting this extremist demagoguery and they're like they always revert to oh well he was hasn't done really much it's what he says and how he acts in his personality i just want democrats to wake from this fever dream that they just want to because they lost an election that was clinched uh, because it was supposed to be representative of everything moving forward and them winning everything uh, and have another eight years of (laughs) of a democratic president just because they're so frustrated with that having happened they're having this emotional reaction where they get to just throw out all this crazy nonsense and not have arguments or anything to back it up so just by way of a quick survey uh, I just want to make sure that we're clear that all of these things have been perpetrated by the Democratic Party not just during during this administration but previously and especially during this administration reject election results. Obviously most of the Democratic establishment has been saying that Trump was illegitimately elected from the beginning. Hillary Clinton to her credit actually she did only said that if Russian interference were kind of more demonstrated then she'd question the election results. However she did explicitly question the election results of, of Stacey Abrams and how she lost she said that was absolutely an illegitimate election. And now you have a Democrat Local organizations or legislatures who are forcing electors because they don't like the result of the last election, they're forcing electors by passing legislation that says electors have to commit their electoral votes to the winner of the popular vote or something like that. It happened in a few places. But anyway, so it happens all over the place. Delegitimization. All of this, of course, is me editorializing. It's not part of the book. <laughs> Delegitimization of rivals. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I mean, this is the most extreme. De- Delegitimization of a rival that I have ever seen when it comes to calling him a Russian agent for the extent of a two-year investigation that brought up nothing Unbelievably ridiculous to say that this is some kind of a one-sided thing that Donald Trump is the only one who Delegitimizes his rivals. It's the kind of rhetoric that they've been using and has been escalating for decades now It's not something that's a new development with Donald Trump and it's been on both sides It's just a a constant incremental escalation escalation that is going to happen in this kind of a system and we don't know if if there's a better way to do it but there's not much you can do about that unless we can get rid of the whole polarization issue which has been growing as well for a long time did we talk about we talked about the big sort right did we go over that book altogether i've read it and it had some important points but i can't remember but it talks about specifically how demographic trends are contributing to polarization because people are clustering based on their political ideology so when you have that Happen, and then you have that echoed in things like social media, then people can just egg each other on into being more extremists on their political side. So, okay, but like, basically suggests they're a foreign agent, obviously. Russiagate for two and a half years, and nothing, it was a big nothing burger, as what's his name said, there was, there was nothing there, and yet still it was constantly shoved down throats by the American media, by representatives in Congress. I mean, just constantly so toleration or encouragement of violence when it came to violence I mean obviously there are tons of violence against Trump supporters in general Uh, major representatives like AOC explicitly would not condemn when she was asked point-blank would not condemn the firebombing of the ice facility after she made her concentration camps comment oh my gosh concentration camps but there there was no widespread when all the Trump supporters right after the election and thereafter when they were being assaulted for wearing mega hats and all that sort of thing there was no calling that out when that <laughs> When Andy Neo was assaulted, like, I'd have to go back through, but I I don't remember Democratic members of Congress or presidential candidates on the Democratic side coming out and saying that this is completely unacceptable. Of course, a, a couple of them could have, and hopefully they did, but I don't remember that being the case. When it comes to Trump, I know he said something about a body slamming, like he encouraged the body slamming of a reporter or something like that. Anyway, so when it comes to, obviously, any kind of a call to violence or praise or refusal to condemn violence when it comes to that is wrong and shouldn't be the case and everybody should be held responsible for that the most important things that they talk about are, is the norm breaking and norm breaking is a category that people don't really talk about but it's the things that people do even though they're not legally required to and so that comes up later but that's kind of the most important point of this whole thing so he, they bring up some other democracies who had issues like this but survived it and were fine were like belgium and finland they had these kinds of where they elected populists who who tried to enact authoritarian measures, but it didn't work. There were other authoritarian. Oh, this is like talking about America and some people who showed up in America over the past 100 years. There's Father Coughlin, he was during the 1930s he had an estimated 30 million listeners on the radio who tuned into his weekly broadcast he was forced off the air in 1939 because of his pro-fascist and anti-semitic rhetoric huey long he was called the kingfish he flouted law he said i'm the constitution just now he called to redistribute wealth and he was eventually assassinated so this is kind of a pocket of lawlessness authoritarianism in the united states there's mccarthy obviously and everybody knows what mccarthy did and we seem i mean it's so funny how history repeats itself. I mean, now everybody's a Russian agent, like Tulsi Gabbard was called a Russian agent for having destroyed Kamala Harris. <laughs> I saw headlines to that effect. Anyway, George Wallace, he was governor of Alabama. He was heavily pro-segregation. And even though I don't like using the term because it's just general and generic, racist. People actually go into it in detail. And I think if they did, they'd realize that it's a epistemological category that you don't really get to throw an emotional fit about. You know, if you had to actually define everything that you talked about, you wouldn't emotionally react to it. You just demonstrate that this is the wrong thing to do. So don't do this thing. In detail. Uh, But he was a racist. He was a horrible racist who wanted to keep people separate. He wanted to keep segregation going. He ran for president three times. He lost every time. But those are some in America who showed up. And uh, the book goes into the convention system versus the primary system. So conventions, they keep demagogues out. There's kind of a a back room, (laughs) you know, smoke-filled room. It's weird that the book kind of laments the loss of this. uh, But it's the kind of back room deals that keep out outsiders in the convention system. So somebody like Donald Trump couldn't have been the nominee because there would have been all these backroom deals to prevent him from even having a chance. And the primary system is more open so that people who can get the vote can get in. Now, obviously, the if you're supporting democracy, then you want to say that anybody who should be able to get the vote or could be able to get the vote should be the one who gets the vote. You know, it's it's meritocratic in that. And obviously, it's so funny how these things get flipped because on the one hand, you would want to think that it's a system that perpetuates itself and keeps the people who are there who are already there getting keeps them getting richer and not doing much and keeps them getting re-elected so you'd want to break up that system or have a mechanism to do that so they couldn't just sit on their laurels and keep taking the money the government's you know the taxpayer's money but here they're saying that no well we wish that we could <laughs> we could keep the system insular uh, so we wouldn't be able to do that so they could just keep doing all their backroom deals and it's it's ridiculous as is trump said doing the whole birther thing when obama was president that was absolutely ridiculous so a fair game for sure calling that nonsense out but trump didn't get he didn't get any party endorsements but he still got the nominee Uh, there were a lot of republicans that attacked him especially in the beginning and there was a whole big never trump movement so the authors are using this to say look this was an outsider he shouldn't have gotten the nomination. But again, if you're really pro-democracy, uh, then you would let this kind of a thing happen. And it's it's a testament to kind of the integrity of the Republican Party that they actually did let this happen. I was talking in a, a group at some point, and one of the people said that they had methods that they could have just put in extra requirements for somebody to be a Republican, you know, run as a Republican in the, in Demo- in the Republican primary. Uh, but they didn't do it, and they should have. But again, I mean, if you're pro-democracy, why would would you try to do that that seems so shady Anyway, so they say, yeah, he's positive on all the measures of the litmus test for an authoritarian. He, he questioned the legitimacy of elections, of the election, which he said at some point that he would, if he lost, he would question it. He questioned the legitimacy of his rival, and I bet, I guarantee that if he hadn't said that, then Hillary Clinton would have come out super hard <laughs> against the result of the election, and maybe would have, there would have been lawsuits involved. He tolerated or encouraged violence there was also that video of him beating up CNN that somebody tweeted. <laughs> like they put CNN it was where he was in wwe or whatever and he was like beating up somebody and somebody had put cnn on the face of that guy and didn't they like dox that kid who made that video and threaten him with a lawsuit or some nonsense oh my gosh i cannot believe how media is so insane at this point but anyway so that seems like an encouragement of violence of course it's not equal on both sides they don't say like oh everybody who says i'm gonna punch trump in the face we're gonna say that's an encouragement of violence you know anybody who calls him satan hitler and says he's the worst thing to have ever happened to the country we're gonna say that's an encouragement of violence no they don't do that it's not equal I mean that's a parody that's an obvious parody and he's the WWE president so it's questionable the big the big thing that he said that should be bothersome when it comes to legitimizing violence or encouragement of violence is, is the whole body slamming a reporter thing that shouldn't be said and that should be called out roundly but when it comes to other encouragement of violence he has said the right things at various times and he hasn't explicitly said okay well we need to you know go out there and do violent things my minions and, and attack people where you absolutely could say that if you're going to point blame when it comes to the legitimacy or legitimizing violence in general the democratic side is significantly more responsible for that now which makes sense because they lost but it's still they're more inclined to be to be less inclined to call it out or condemn it roundly or something like that they'll say more things like but this president is doing this or doing that or acting this way especially in the media they just consider it a special case where no it's fine you can engage in violent acts and obviously this is painting a broad brush you have to go into detail on each person how they responded to various things just because Trump is less decorous than other presidents and he doesn't act as presidential as you'd want him to he has every right to call out media sources that are being completely biased and places like CNN MSNBC even the Times and the Washington Post there are incredibly biased. It's not even close. So if they're not going to be the fourth estate with the integrity to be objective about these things, then they deserve every ounce of attack from the president. I, I don't see this as an issue unless he oversteps his bounds. He can say whatever he wants about the media and call them fake news and and exclude CNN from whatever because of how they cover things. He can do that as long as they're going to be this way. Obviously, it's it leaves ample room for abuse but a lot of these are just norms that are established not like constitutional rights that the media have or anything like that so question elections you know it's that's another one of those things obviously like I said there has been widespread questioning of electoral results election results on the Democratic side that don't get called out here and Hillary Clinton did it herself obviously it does weaken our institutions it would be great if everybody who got elected just said that was the election we're done but it's in reality an extremely complex system And, uh, you know, for all I know, Stacey Abrams had a justified reason to question that election, you know, who knows. But still, when it comes to questioning elections, this isn't just Trump doing this and uh, he's especially evil. (laughs) For having questioned the the results of an election. I mean, this is something that is roundly done on both sides It's mostly rhetoric once uh, Congress starts passing laws related to it and once there's more executive actions and things like that that are Impacting the results of elections then that's that's questionable and doing things like saying that an elector has to commit their electoral votes No matter how the the locality voted has to give their electoral votes to the popular vote winner that That's questioning elections. That's questioning the results of elections. And that's changing the way the electoral electoral system works. So that should be roundly criticized. Because that's. I mean it's probably going to end up in the Supreme Court. And then deemed unconstitutional. But still. Uh, Describe rivals as criminals. Obviously he described Hillary Clinton. Throughout the campaign process as a criminal. Uh, Consistently he did it a lot. (laughs) And he didn't like disavow that. By the time he got in the office. But he didn't pursue it either. You know he didn't go after Hillary Clinton or anything like that, even though there are some questionable things when it comes to previous administrations like Obama spying on the Trump campaign and what is it, the Steele dossier and other questionable things that occurred that might justify an investigation at least, especially since there was a, a two and a half year manhunt for any evidence that showed that he was a Russian agent and and that turned out to be a nothing burger. So maybe, but I mean, he didn't pursue it. He did describe them as criminals, but he didn't pursue it. But that's another category. so refuse to unambiguously condemn violence and this is so what I'm concerned about here is that they're actually meaning Charlottesville which is often repeated and often referenced when most people it seems don't even know what the hell he said like didn't watch what he said they just read the headlines about what he said from MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post of course he condemned the violence in Charlottesville of course he condemned he condemned white supremacy he condemned the the white supremacist I think he said an absolute terms. Of course we condemn them. The both sides comment was about the people who were there to try to protect history. They didn't want the statue to come down. That's who he was talking about. He was explicit about this. So when they use the word unambiguously I think that's what they're talking about. The both sides comment. But he was he was explicit that he was talking about the people who, was, who were there to support the statue staying up. Not there to talk about, hold tiki torches and talk about white supremacy and how it needs to be a white nation and all this other nonsense. So let's just be clear about that. Friend, go in and see at the Soda Plant Medela tomorrow. And when you do, tell them Groucho sent you.